Are you one of our regular students for Self-Improvement Wednesday? Each week you get to learn something new. Your lesson this week, co-infections, how pathogens work together. Your teacher is Michelle Power, Associate Professor in Microbiology at Macquarie University. Good afternoon. Hello, Richard. We're going we're to talk about uh, pathogens and parasites and all sorts of nasty things. But uh, the, the starting point is something a lot of people have noticed recently, which is you would imagine that flu and COVID, for instance, couldn't coexist in the human body. But we've got examples right now where they are. We do indeed. It's it's actually a, a problem that's really, um, you know, high voltage at the moment around Australia because of the number of increasing cases of flu and the low immunity that we have considering it hasn't been around for the last couple of years. And just the combination of COVID and the flu on the respiratory system can be quite detrimental, well, mm. potentially quite detrimental on the patient, but also the health system. Okay, but it's yeah. an interesting example, isn't it, where it's almost a, a new bit of science to work out whether the COVID makes the flu worse or the flu makes the COVID better or, or they're both, uh, you know, knock each other out. Yeah, exactly. And and pending on how, oh, look, COVID is so variable for different people, it's really hard to predict anyway. You know, we, we see people with three vaccines coming down with long COVID and people with three vaccines just with a sniffly nose and no infection. So when you get both, how they're going to interact and what those outcomes mm-hmm. are going to be. Okay, that's a knows? good example of what you mainly work on, which is, which is parasites. And in the world of parasites, co-infections are actually the norm. They are. They are indeed. You know, if we went out and collected a a faecal sample from a kangaroo and looked for worms and other co-infecting parasites, we would actually probably see 10 to 15 species of parasites present in that particular animal. So, um, but in people, particularly in the Western world where we uh, don't encounter parasites that often, we tend to only have one. But in natural systems, co-infections can be uh, quite bad, particularly if the host is also threatened or at risk mm. from, say, lack of food or other pressures on, on their health. Okay, so there's a lot of variety here, is there? Sometimes the, the parasites uh, compete with each other. One makes the other weaker, but sometimes they, they, they form to make a knockout blow on the, on the, on, on the animal they're infecting. Indeed, they can they can have an interaction where the outcome is beneficial for the parasite and detrimental for what we would term the, term the host that the parasite is infecting, or it can be beneficial for the host. So that one in parasite might block another one from actually infecting. And they can do that in a couple of ways. Uh, firstly, they can compete for space. So if we're thinking about what's happening in the gut, there might be, say, a type of worm that's uh, living there but blocks the space for a type of bacteria or another parasite, or they can modulate the immune system and so they can upregulate or downregulate different immune components that may actually stop one parasite from infecting in a standard situation. But if the co-infecting agent downregulates that important immune system, this new parasite that's coming into the system can actually establish. They're, they're so interesting parasites. They, they, there's various forms of life cycle, aren't they? There is. They're, 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 yeah, they're fascinating. So, yeah, so they need to get around and they need to get from one host to the next. And they can do this via a direct life cycle. So basically they have very robust infectious stages. And one that many people might have heard of is Giardia or Cryptosporidium. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you can get that. They, they produce this really tough, 
tough kind of environmental stage that can survive in water for a long time. Others, and, and, and you might touch it or drink it and it directly enters your body. It does indeed, yeah. So so with those ones you just need to, or if you, you tend to see this parasite also in adults of, I guess, you know, with young children because it's it's a paras- they're parasites mm-hmm. that are quite common in daycare centres. And we see peaks of those in summer when people are out swimming and um, interacting a bit more in waterways. Okay, other parasites need a host though, don't they? An they inter- do. An intermediate Host. Yeah, so so others that get around through uh, indirect life cycles or, or require an intermediate host. So basically they can't con- complete their developmental life cycle without, say, going from, um, uh, I'll use toxoplasma as an example, mm-hmm. without going from, say, an intermediate host. And in this situation, it's a bird or a rodent um, and some form of life life cycle stages develop there and then a cat will come along and consume that animal as part of its feeding cycle and also acquire the parasites and then the parasite completes its life cycle in the cat. Okay, and the mozzies are the other example. Mozzies are, are another vector-borne. one. Yeah, vector-borne, yep. Yeah. So essentially, again, getting around and so mozzies are a great example um, of plasmodium and particularly at the moment in Australia, we've got Japanese encephalitis that's on the radar and um, so they basically carry the parasite from one host to the next. And you can have developmental cycles that need to occur in the mosquito or other vectors, or sometimes they can just carry them and pass them to the other. Uh Another example there is malaria or the plasmodium parasite that's transmitted by mozzies. Are they always negative or can sometimes parasites be good for the animal that they inhabit? Yeah, no, they, 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 it's, that's a good question. I, th- I think they can be good at times. Um, so they, well, they can, I guess, in this co-infecting situation where they can um, protect against other parasitic invaders. Uh, it's, there's the hygiene hypothesis where basically parasites, when there's a parasite infection, the immune system is turned on a little and it just keeps the host immune system active. And so there's that kind of idea that parasites help the host mm-hmm. there as well. Okay. But it too many is bad. <laughs> it, it, it makes it tough for researchers though, because in the past you might have studied one parasite in kangaroos to take that example and seeing what it did to the kangaroo. It's much more complex if you're thinking this actual kangaroo in the field is going to have 15 parasites and they're going to be interacting with each other in complex ways. Yeah, indeed. And that's that's a shift in research these days is to think about co-infection and how how those parasites, it, it's actually that the complexity of that interaction. How are those parasites interacting? How are the parasites interacting with the immune system and the host? And then you throw in the next layer, you know, the microbiome. So the endemic microbial community or other organisms that are normally present in that host, but don't have, um, that are mm-hmm. there for beneficial reasons. And so, yeah, so, so it is really shedding light on trying to understand those interactions between parasites and the host and, and the outcomes. And for you in particular, you've been working a lot on bats, haven't you, for all the obvious reasons with, with Hendra. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have been, we have been working on bats for a long time um, and we're particularly interested in actually in their non-viral pathogens and how co-infection, so bacteria and parasites, might influence the dynamics of those uh, particularly nasty viruses they carry, such as Hendra and Australian bat viruses. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, when we started this work in 2015, I think there were six publications on parasites in bats, so in Australian bats, so fruit bats, so not much has happened on that front. Okay, but you might discover one parasite actually competes with the Hendra in a way that's beneficial to us anyway. It, yeah, it may. More what we're thinking is is that it uh, may not necessarily directly compete with the Hendra, but there may be some interaction where we might see uh, 
pressure on the bat immune system and then change in dynamics of particular viruses. So they may start to shed more viruses at certain times or with different parasites, oh, some relationship there. Or we may see a diversity of viruses. Or you know, we, do, we don't know what we're going to see yet, but there may be um, some interaction where viruses are particularly diverse because the parasites are influencing the bat immune system. Is one of the weird silver linings of COVID that the world has spent all its money studying viruses for all the obvious reasons? Has, has it brought knowledge that you can use even if you're not studying COVID? Yeah, it has. It's it's brought knowledge and lots of new tools actually. So so the biggest one is the what we would term omics, so genomics, proteomics, um, and really understanding how uh, communities of organisms in in hosts are present, what proteins are being expressed, and we can do this with this high tech sequencing of different components, like different components of the immune system or different parasite communities that are there, and really try to understand those systems as a whole. Yeah, a whole new level of, of complexity when it you're is. studying parasites. Yeah. What a great lesson. Thank you, thank you so much. Thanks very much. There you go. Thanks to Michelle Power, Associate Professor in Microbiology at Macquarie University. You can listen again to her lesson, abc.net.au slash Sydney. There you'll also find details of how to subscribe to the free Self-Improvement Wednesday podcast. Next week, a lesson from Professor Jackie Troy, the Director of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Research at the University of Sydney, with an introduction to Narugu country. That's Jackie Troy, Self-Improvement Wednesday, next week. Music.